0: Well, hello once again, everybody. It is maintenance day. We are back, uh, and so are the Sabres. Well, they've been back, we know that, uh, but also back this week. I'm just gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna skip over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run screaming into the podcast without bringing in uh, my co-host Lance Lasowski. Lance, hello. I didn't want to like give a huge, insane intro and I'd be like, "Oh right, Lance is here." I didn't want to do that this week because I felt like that's kind of dumb because <laughs> you're, you're the, you're the other. You're the other half of the podcast for crying out loud.
1: Yeah, hey, it was a, uh, it was quite the week. It felt like a, uh, felt like it lasted 14 days rather than seven, <laughs> with yeah. uh, just three games. And hey, it started to get a little colder in Buffalo. So I feel like this time of year with daylight savings, man, it was uh, kind of a slog this week. And um, yeah, I think that there's a lot to go over, right? Uh, three wow. games, and certainly not what. Fans wanted to see, although the Sabres themselves had a few silver linings uh, in their post game comments after a couple of these ones, right?
0: Yeah. And, you, you know, uh, well, yeah, I mean, listen, we, we kind of expected things to go how they went, uh, you know, when they were on the road in, in Carolina Tampa. We kind of expected that. Uh, and uh, when we looked ahead to the week, we were just, I don't think we really paid a whole lot of attention to Arizona, which I think is fair. Uh, because I don't think the Sabres did either, uh, given how they how how that game played out. But uh, certainly with them and Vegas and Boston all during the week, it was it was lining up to be a very, very, very difficult week, considering the Sabres are just, you know, they're 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 there. They're, they're they're not they're not blowing teams away, but they're not you know, they're not the worst team in the league either, which I know kind of goes counter against what a lot of people are th- thinking right now after five straight losses but uh you know let's let's kind of get into it because the, the you know the, the losing streak is is what's occupying everybody's mind right now um and it's it, obviously nobody likes to see losses like it's just they stink but there's something to take away from each one of the 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 ones they had this past week and you know finding you know i mean we could focus on the negative if you want i think we're negative nancy's enough as it is because we were being negative when the team was was winning so we so let's flip the script on them and be and find the the, the things they did right in going through these games you now the arizona game is a little a little more difficult to find the things that they did right because uh, certainly the result was not there but also arizona kind of like lucked their way through three goals in that game so uh, i don't know that was that was just such a weird game because it felt like they, you know, they owned on the stat board. They owned all the fancy stats, but then, you know, they still lose.
1: Yeah, I have trouble pointing out anything positive when you lose to a team like Arizona. I know they're they're pesky, and Vemelka was good that game. Uh, Tate Thompson, of course, just had another impressive week but remember you know the, the week starts with don Granado just throwing his lines into a blunder because this team at five on five just isn't getting it done right now at arizona yeah you carry you carry some of the play uh on the back end they were okay um, but again it's a lost like i just have trouble finding any sort of silver lining in that one because you look back it reminds me of the game in seattle right um mm-hmm. Even though it was some tough bounces and just awkward, like you need to win those games. And if you're not going to win those games, you need to at least get a point. That's what's killing them right now. They're not, you know. Again, you said you wanted to go positive. I'm sorry, Joe. It's really difficult for me to go positive when it comes to that one because that that is a game where you have to get points. You have to. If you want if you want to sort of keep up in in the race right now and not and not fall too far back, that those are ones that you just need you need to get and they're just not getting to overtime on those rough nights and i guess that's one of the, the hard lessons right um good teams when they don't have it they find a way to at least get a point
0: yeah and i mean it, it seems silly to not be able to get a point against arizona but i mean that, it was right in the midst of their three-game winning streak i mean what are you gonna do the coyotes get high you're gonna get bit you know that's that's how it goes no it's not how it goes whatsoever um but it's so weird because i mean and listen i had, I had some folks on twitter kind of give me some grief about uh, my take on the game, which was, you know, they played like crap and ignore everything else that you, you know, you'd look up about it. Cause you know, the, the good thing about presenting fancy stats to people is that they're also starting to look them up. The downside is that sometimes they're using the stats to create their own arguments, which that's what we do. That's our job. That's, that's how we do things. But it, it, it I mean, it, you look over it, they, you know, Dominated in every aspect, except you know, if you're just shooting a bunch from the from the outside and not getting anybody in front for rebounds, it's kind of a fake story. You know, they're not, they weren't actually doing, it they weren't actually getting it done. And you know, Arizona kind of lucked their way to getting three goals.
1: It's a trend with this group. They got, they have to start getting to the net. And right now, with Kyle Ocposo out with you know day to day, it sounds like hey, he'll be back soon. They. They need more guys getting to the net, you know, younger team. It's not uncommon to have that issue, but you know, they've got players that are more than capable of, of doing that. Right. I think against Arizona, there was some overpassing. It was trying to look for the perfect play and no matter who you're, you're facing, that's just, that's not going to be a recipe for for success. And I like that Don Granato admitted that he saw that beforehand as, you know, maybe a, an easy, an easy letdown game, right? Your team's looking forward to Vegas, Boston. You got Arizona right smack dab in the middle of a really busy stretch of the schedule, and they played like they just weren't, they weren't ready.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was it. It was equal parts not ready, and you, know, you hate to. I, I, I'm not going to make the assumption here, but there's also the thought of. Come on, guys. These are Coyotes. Like we can beat these guys. Like look at some of the other teams we beat this year. We we can't lose to these guys. Like these guys stink, right? Like they don't even have they barely have a home ice. Like come on, how are we gonna lose to these guys? And then you know pucks going off of Dylan Cousins, pucks bounce off of Owen Power. It's just you know uh you know it's like you know, like what like what are you gonna do? It's a, it's a classic. Like what are you gonna do, loss? Except you know what you have to do, and that's you know create havoc. It's it's what you have to do, and they just didn't do it that game, which is I don't know. Seemed like a lot of trying to score the highlight reel type goal and trying to clown the other team, and the the other team worked their ass off to to make that happen. And on it honestly, talking to, talking to the Coyotes coach uh, Andre 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 Tirini before the game, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, and I apologize. <laughs> um, but he's the way he described how they have to play games is. You know, If there's ever a night where we don't play our A game, we need the other teams to play way down to be able to have a shot. But chances are we don't have a shot. But if we play our A game and other teams don't bring their best, then we're going to cause problems for them. And that was 100% what happened against Buffalo
1: yeah no it it absolutely is right and i think that after again speculation here but after the sabers played pretty well but in a losing in losing efforts on the road against Carolina and tampa they still had to feel pretty good about their game heading into that oh yeah that matchup with arizona right um the power play was clicking you know they were they were making plays with the puck against really good teams but you you can't have that false sense of confidence there's not enough players in that room who are established in the nhl at this point uh to go into a game and think that it's going to be easy. It's, it's not. And especially right. like, Hey, Arizona for all of their flaws, like since they hired that coach, they've been a hardworking team. So mm-hmm. if, if, I, if you go into the building, and you think it's going to be an easy night. They're going to throw your, throw it right in your face. Um, the Sabres corrected that against Vegas, right? I mean, not to transition too quickly. There were, a, there was a lot of good in, in that game for stretches. The first two periods in particular, there were, but again, like when it came to the Vegas game, it was puck management. You can't mismanage the puck when you're facing a team with that much offensive talent. And hey, the Golden Knights, to their credit, with that blue line, they were really disciplined. They made sure the Sabres didn't have any rush chances. Bruce Cassidy told us before the game that that's what their their really their key to winning was. And they followed through.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was a classic sort of uh game where you could take a peek. I don't, I'm a weirdo with with some of the advanced stuff where I don't like the heat map stuff. I'm like it's interesting if things are really skewed out of, you know, out of order and you're just kind of like, "Oh, okay, that's why they lost." You kind of could see that though on the the heat map of that game because there is a lot of green very far away from the net. Now, of course, there's a lot of action in front of it, but like not, you know, not like a, you know, deep dark colors that you like to see for those types of things. But it was a lot of just a lot of stuff where it's just kind of like ah throw it on the net let's see what we can do, but um, but I mean it, that that game I mean geez, it's it's it, it was the lack of it was you're right it's the lack of care for the puck that that cost you and like you do that against teams that like that you're you're not going to win I mean I, I think of uh, you know Paul Cotter's goal I mean we, you know Eichel has the hat trick in the third period like okay you know fine uh but like you know the the Paul Cotter mini breakaway like you know that stuff can't happen you can't have things where you're just like all right dude like you know it, it, fe- it makes it feel worse when it's a guy that's not like you know William Carlson or or you know somebody else in the top six that's you know scoring some kind of highlight real goal against you and you're just kind of like wow really we're giving up the goals to these guys too this stinks I don't like this yeah no
1: question it was a and the frustrating part you could tell from Don Granado's perspective there that it wasn't just young players committing those turnovers. Right. You know, you mentioned the Cotter goal and that's Alex Tuck. It was a really rough night for Alex Tuck. Yeah. You know, at five on five, he's in, I would call a little bit of a slump right now. And he's not the only one, right? Like they've just... Right. They need to get their five on five game going, which is not easy against really difficult teams. Now, hey, like the Vegas game was much better in terms of creating offense, mm-hmm. you know, even throughout the losing streak so far, for the most part, offensively, you know, the power play is is humming along, you know, their PK, they're they're getting chances. You know, that game in particular, even the blue line I thought played, you know, better for two periods, but it all kind of fell apart in the third period with some, you know, not only the turnovers, but the young forwards on this team just aren't doing a good enough job of defending. Uh, whether it be covering for a defenseman when they pinch or just simply get it, you know, making sure there's not too much space between you and, and your opponent so you can actually have a shot of back checking and When you have that extra, you know, if it's a three on two, a two on one, whatever it may be, like the margin for error is really thin, you know, especially as the season goes along and these highly skilled players start to get into closer to midseason form and they're going to finish on more of those chances. And this was a game, Joe, where, you know, Eric Comrie, not as sharp as you really need him to be, made a couple of big saves, but, you know, this is. This is an, uh, another trend that we're seeing. I thought that Craig Anderson was exceptional against Boston. You know, not to get too ahead of ourselves here, right. but you know, obviously Comrie is. They need more out of him, right? Um, right. He's He's sort of made up for a few mistakes here and there. Um, and there's been quite a few during the skid. But yes, you know, of course, goaltending. You, when your team's playing like that, your goalie's going to need to steal a. Going to have one of the needs to have one of those games where he steals you a point.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a lot of Comrie's, you know, I think Comrie has been very you know, cursed, <laughs> really. You know, the, the, the Vegas game's a little tougher to say that on. Um, just, you know, but I mean, it was a barrage of odd man rushes that whole game. Yes. Um, like that's yeah. that's a problem. I, you know, people are mad about Michael having a hat trick. I mean, crying aloud, he could have five could have six that game. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> two breakaways, Comrie stopped both, right?
0: Right. So, I mean, it, it, you, you can't, I mean, just think about saying that he stopped two Eichel breakaways. It's like, wow, they must have done good, right? Well, no, they, they gave up two breakaways, at least, to one of their best players. Like, do you think they did good? Like, no, but like, I mean, they are kind of pesky that game, though. They, they didn't go away. It's just the third oh. period got out of hand. Yeah, the, the, the Petrangelo goal from, you know, from way up, the way up past the half board, that kind of sucked the air out of the room for him like that was that was the one where it's like oh geez like okay and i that's that's one where i don't i don't know if that's on comry or not because it's it sure seemed like there was a there was a lot of bodies out between where petrangelo shot it and the puck going in but it's from a not direct angle and it wasn't exactly fired at the net so i i don't know it's 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 it can be little things like that where, you know, if he gives up a goal like that, and you're just kind of like, oh dude, you got to have that one. You know, everybody will forget all the other yeah. rushes and everything and just be like, no, he's got to have that one. And it's like, well, not wrong, but also I'll help a guy out the rest of the game. Yeah, no, they haven't been good enough
1: around Comrie. That's that is for certain right and it's not only the you know i mentioned the forwards and the attention to detail there which was definitely lacking in that game we'll get to the boston games uh shortly but joe i mean it's it's easy you know we could t- sit here and talk about the positives when it comes to owen power and Rasmus style and the minutes they're playing how they're handling all this responsibility which is really impressive but as a coach you can't now, Don Granado can't like the fact that he has to play those guys 28, 29 minutes a game right now, right? They they don't have the depth on D when you're chasing the game to, you know, you can't roll three D pairs, You can't roll four lines right? they fell behind in three straight games. I and mean, when you do that against a team like Vegas, you're chasing it the whole time, right? Like as a younger group, your habits are going to slip. You know, you're you're going to be pressing a little bit too much. And when it comes to the back end, I mean, you know they need more guys to step up we mentioned that last week Lawrence pilot seems to be heading in a different you know in a trending in a, a a good direction at the moment Henry Okiharu is close to getting back and they need those guys right and they they really need uh, some reinforcements behind Dalian and pa- power because that yeah. is a rough ask right now um especially when the schedule is what it is and you know it's not going to doesn't get any easier, right? I mean, still, you know, Vancouver's a good team. Ottawa's so good at offensively that if you make mistakes like that, they're going to kill you.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you knew, you knew, thing, you know, especially coming after the Vegas game, but the Boston game, he started with Darlene and Power together right off the hop. And you're thinking, okay, well, he's, they've loaded everything else. They've loaded everything up front to try to, to try to manage uh, a Boston team that is just absolutely lighting the world on fire. Um, And it worked for the most part, but it also put a ton of stress on that pair in particular to, to, to hold things down because I, I didn't take a look at the final um, ice time, but they had to have played half the game. Uh, And that's even with Darlene missing uh, a little bit of the second period.
1: Yeah. um, Power was at 29 minutes, out around 28 against Boston Uh, and give them credit, man. Like they, that was a really good defensive effort for the Sabres, you know, for the most part. A couple of turnovers lead to goals against. You, know, you can't turn the puck over in the neutral zone when Bergeron, Marchand, and Posternock are out there, right? right? Like that. That's how a comeback attempt uh, was basically impossible at that point in the third period. But, you know, like, so you look at the Boston game, um, much better, right? Um, fans are still upset, though. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to see how you view that game because it was, Hey, that's a really good showing against a good team, especially defensively. Right. Like they, they didn't give up a whole lot against a really good offensive team, the best offensive team in the league. Right. But at the same time at five on five, Joe, you know, they, they couldn't really get much going. Yeah. Like, and it's, you know, you look at, you know, Tage Thompson's obviously doing what he's doing. Jeff Skinner's not scoring goals. Everything else is there, especially when you look at the analytics, Mm-hmm. but there is a pretty significant drop-off between those two. You look down the rest of the lineup. Now I've liked Jack Quinn's game. He's trending, you know, in a good spot. I think JJ Paterka, it's a matter of time before he starts creating more uh, Dylan cousins, defensively, there's work to be done there, but you look at, you know, Middlestad, Krebs, Oliveson, Those are guys that need to do more at five on five. Yeah. Um, you, know, I, you, you have to like what Middlestad is doing. Um, in the face-off Todd, on the on the power play. When it comes to Krebs defensively, look at the defensive numbers, right? They're possessing the puck when yeah. he's on the ice, but man, like there has to be more. Um, when it comes to the offensive side of the game, I know, hey, special teams matter, but it's just it's the part of this game that's going to evolve. Granado said it over and over again, and I agree with him. We see it around the league, young players. When it comes to creating offense, that is the challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to finding those quality chances against
0: very stingy teams like the Bruins. Yeah. It's, you know, I taken like the quick peruse over, you know, the, the numbers. That's the first game. I re- that. I remember the fourth line having a problem, uh, handling, handling things. And that last night it was Asplund, Gergensen's and Hidestroza, And they had a very tough time last night. Uh, and they got, you know, they got, they got the normal amount of minutes. It's not like, you know, it's not like they were playing above their heads or anything, uh, ice time wise, but they, you know, you know, y- in a game that's that tight and, and honestly, I mean, you know, if you want to, I'm getting a little number blind here, you know, this is I get a little caught up because, uh, you know, the expected goal numbers were basically even, it was both, both teams were over just over two uh, and, you know, the Bruins got their two. Uh, The Sabres did not, you know, Keith Kincaid to his credit played a very strong game. He had a great third period. Uh, but you can't get goalied by Keith Kincaid. You got to do more than that. You have to, ha- and you have to get more from your bigger players, which again is a tough ask because the Bruins are really good. And yeah, I mean, third period, and the Bruins hated their first two periods last night. They they were they were very unhappy about how they played the first 40 minutes of that game. But in the third period, uh, you know, Jim Montgomery puts. Puts the the be, one of the best lines in the league back together again with Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand, and it's like, well, you had fun tonight, boys, but that you don't, you're not getting that <laughs> chances back. Like that, they they put the crew back together. It's uh, it's nighty night time. Like you're just, it, it's it it makes the game so much harder to get through when you've got to deal with you have to deal with that line, and you know they're gonna get, you know, it was, you know, it's a one-one game into the third, you know, you're gonna get that line basically every every other shift pretty much. Uh, and you know, then the, what's the goal that breaks their back? Jakobs borrow from what? 70 feet away. Yeah. From the blue line through a lot of traffic and you know, it gets by like, it, goals like that'll happen. Like let's, let's be real. Those kinds of things will happen. And even Zborl after the game was like, I don't think I deserved it tonight, but you know, I'm glad I got my first goal finally. Like that was, been in the league a few years and he finally got his first NHL goal. Congratulations to him! But it's also a little bit of salt in the wounds for the Sabres, where it's like, man, this guy gets his goal again. Great, cool, that's awesome. Love to see that. Yeah, uh, you, you, know, you were
1: in your luck though, right? Like that—that that goal came after like the swing of momentum really started. I thought, Joe, I don't—I don't know how you felt just watching the game. Was with the Dalene block shot, like yeah. he blocks that shot. He has trouble, like. He is laboring around the defensive zone and Boston gets a great, you know, shift with multiple chances because of it. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like they really built off of that particular shift. And of course, with Darlene out, you know, and then Golbushkin takes the penalty. Boston ties the game. Mm -hmm. It just felt like they were playing catch up from there. Right. It just took too long for them to get to their game. And a big piece of this right now, it's really weird saying this because you look at offensively where this team is. They're second, you know. Before that game, second the league in goal score per game. You, know, you mm-hmm. would think that, wow, that you know, it's humming along right now for them uh, in all aspects. But the Sabers, like when it comes to the forward lines, and we saw at the beginning of the week, like they're still searching. They're still searching right. for sort of their offensive game when it comes to five on five. And you know, it seems like Don Granado's got a real good feel for okay, what his first and fourth groups are. You know, first line, it looks like he's going to keep rolling with Skinner, Thompson, and Tuck, and I think that is important, right? They need to get Tuck going, and they need to get Skinner going. As much as you look at, you know, the chances he's creating and whatnot, he needs to score more goals. You're paid $9 million a year. You now, that's just the reality of this league. Like, for for teams to exceed or meet expectations, your top players need to be top players, and you need to make big plays. And, you know, the last the game against Boston was a night where they needed that they needed an easier goal, you know, and that's what top players around the league do. Uh, They, they, they get you a one where they make it look easy, where you don't have to work as hard. And then you can kind of, you know, if that's a two nothing game and they jump on the Bruins early, which they could have, you know, it's completely different. Um, Yeah. But right now it seems like those second and third lines, they're searching, they're, they're searching to see what the right, the right groupings are, you know, Quinn draws back in him cousins and Paterka, you like some of what they did. They created some chances, of course, and you know mm-hmm. Quinn's got a good opportunity to, s- to score um, a tying goal. Yeah. But you know, when it comes to Middle Stat or five on five, he was with Krebs and Olafson on on Saturday night. And man, like all those three guys are just struggling five on five right now. They're yeah. even having trouble getting shots on goal. Yeah. In those
0: situations. It's yeah. That's it, it's hard to see that to watch that happen because we do. I mean. There's not guys in the team that were just like, yeah, screw him. We, you know, we're not doing any of that. We, we don't do any of that stuff. Everybody's just, you know, if anybody thinks that we do, which, you know, imaginations get wild on Twitter, I get it. But, um, but we, we want to see guys have success because they're good dudes. That's, that's, that's the way that goes. But it is, it's been a fight for middle stat. I mean, it's nice that the, you know, the, the power play stuff is coming easy and he looks great on it, but those situations are not many in most games and he's got to get it together at five on five. And he was, that question was asked of Don Granado by our, by our good pal, Bill Hoppe uh, on Friday ahead of ahead of the game Saturday uh, about, you know, Casey's play at five on five. And if they're, you know, if that's something that they're working on, if they're addressing that or whatever, and Don's, Don's, you know, Don's an extremely supportive Coach. Like he goes to the mat for the guys constantly. I mean, that might be a reason why some people are getting kind of frustrated because he's 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 focusing on the right things that they're doing each game and not getting caught up in uh you know, treating each loss as if it's the end of the world. Like he's not doing that. But when it came to answering about Casey, he he got very serious in responding to it and saying, you know, this is it is something we're working on. We're you know, we're you know we're happy with the, the the power play performance we're happy with how he's played shorthanded but we, we know like we we know we see the numbers we understand but you know it's something we're working on and it's not to say that Don, Don's never been he, he's never been truthful or anything like that he's always very he's always very straightforward with us but to have him be that open about it Concerning a single player is very interesting to me because it's, it's recognizing that there is an issue and that there is a problem with, with a guy that's getting a lot of minutes, but also is, is having very obvious struggles.
1: Middlestead led all Sabres forwards in ice time against Boston, 21 minutes, four seconds, zero shots on goal. Now he had two attempts. um, I believe both were blocked. 152 mm-hmm. percent of his faceoffs are giving him every opportunity and he's earned that opportunity with Always better hard. defensive play winning face-offs making an impact on special teams but that's the next level to his game right mm-hmm. yes he is experienced enough but remember how much time he missed last season mm-hmm. um I just don't know where he fits though um we saw at the beginning of the week where Don Granato put Middlestad on the wing next to Thompson. Didn't work. I understood the right. logic behind it, though. Try to get him going, and then he could step in and take faceoffs if Tage isn't in the circle, because that's an area that Thompson is still developing in his game. Mm-hmm. But, and again, like, Middlestad's the, the kind of guy who's earned some grace from Granado
0: because
1: yeah. we know how much, how highly Granado thinks of not only the person, but the work ethic that Middlestad brings. Always, like, one of the first guys on the ice of practice. Yep. You know, it's... It's not an effort thing with him. No, I think that and you're, you're seeing it not only with Middlestad himself, but like think about who he's been on lines with. Right. Like Olsen struggled five on five. You know, Krebs has been a, a very common lineup, my mate and another young guy who's struggling at five on five. It just, it's part of the game that has to develop. But with where this team is at. Middlestead's going to get every opportunity to figure it out. Um, this is just a big year for him. There's no question about it, and that's the next area of his game that needs it needs to be fixed. Not only for you know for him, but this team in general. And you just wonder that you know what sort of changes could Granato make to the lineup to try to get to
0: try to get that piece of his game unlocked. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, taking a look at the uh, the advanced numbers against Boston, that line was break even. But it was a busy break game, and, you know, it's 12 attempts against 12, you know, uh, 12 attempts taken versus 12 attempts uh, against, but, uh, you know, they didn't have any goals against them, which is good, but also, you know, what's what's the the shot quality there wasn't, wasn't exactly very good, you know, like the, it just wasn't. Just didn't he needs it. to
1: shoot the puck more. Right. He needs to
0: shoot the puck more.
1: Like, and there's
0: opportunities
1: for him to shoot it. It's it's been some overpassing. There were another a, a few other plays against Boston where same problem. Right now at this point through 15 games, middle set has 13 shots on goal at five on five. That is not as big of an issue as let's compare it to Peyton Krebs, right? Eight shots on goal at five on five. But when you look at the ice time, the opportunity, um has to be more, has to be more engaged and has to, and I'm, you know, that's, that's been sort of an issue for Middlestad for, well, since he entered the league. Right. And he's even admitted it at times where like, I, you know, I've always come up as a passer, a playmaker, and it's part of his game where he's tried to you know, get more selfish and was something that a lot of, a lot of young centers deal with. But at this point at his age, this, where he's at in his development and the opportunity that he's been, been given you know of course like the sabers are going to want to see more out of him in those situations absolutely yeah.
0: yeah it's uh i i know it's tough for fans to to kind of accept uh that things are always that, that things are going to be a work in progress for a lot of guys cuz let's face it it it's going to be cuz a lot of guys, you have like at least 3 guys that are learning on the fly here uh with you know with Quinn with Krebs with Paterka like that's that's an entire line now of course that line was outstanding against boston but uh you know the, the the matchups were probably a little bit more in their favor uh in that game but um but you know when we're talking about middle stat yeah he's missed a ton of time last year and he's you know I, I know people don't want to accept a lot of these you know a lot of these reasons but it takes time to get that back when you're when you're getting it back during games i mean this is all stuff that was supposed to be happening for him last season that just you know it couldn't because he was hurt and it's he lost a year of development Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, right. And then, exactly. and then you combine,
1: you combine that with the pandemic with being on the taxi squad, coaching change, like, and you have to, you have to consider that with, with a few of these guys, right? Like bad situations. Um, and he, he, him in particular, man, like, his development took such a major hit the last couple of years because of injury and just situational stuff to where like patience is going to be needed. And I think just the fact that he's handling more responsibility, playing 21 minutes against Boston, winning face-offs, like there was a much better foundation there than there, w- there was a few months ago. Right. He's in a, a good spot. It's just like, so it kind of feels like nitpicking. Um, right. But I think that the expectation in the bar is, is, you know, raise for him because people see the age, they see the, the number of games played, but there's a lot of context that needs to be uh, factored in there as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, haters, haters are going to be haters. I get it. Um, people are going to hear us complimenting him, how he's played on the PK. And then they're going to look at the PK percentage and be like, they're, they're bottom, they're bottom 10 in the league in PK. It's like, well, listen, okay. Just chill out. Okay. You know, they lost Samuelson and you'll are you the issues? I killing defensemen for God's sake. Yeah.
1: Um, so like I get it right, and like the one issue this team has right now is that there is no middle six because they're still figuring out who fits where. It would help greatly, uh, in my opinion, if they could really figure out, you know, if Alex Tuck would have blossomed on the right at on the right side next to Dylan Cousins. You know, if they could split up that top line and distribute that talent a little bit, it would certainly help it just hasn't happened though. It's quite clear at this point that Tuck is most comfortable with Thompson and Skinner. So mm-hmm. it sounds like Granato going to let those three continue to roll together. If that's the case, then patience is going to be needed to figure out the rest. I'd like to see Casey Middlestad next to somebody with somebody other than Victor Olofsson, quite frankly, to see how, how that, that look might work, whether it be you know, Kyle Ocposo is the first one that comes to mind for me, because I know those two have chemistry together and Ocposo is a guy who, who can get to the net and, you know yeah. could really be a nice a nice presence for middlestad there,
0: yeah, that's it, it I keep the Minnesota guys together. they play well, weird, I know it's <laughs> but it's uh you know I, I you're right. it's we we could probably i mean i i I don't know if we necessarily need to get into it about tuck, but like it it feels like there's something like, something's off with his game there. I mean, it seems kind of obvious that something's off with this game there, but I listen every coach will tell you nobody's hundred percent once the season starts. And I think that's, I think that's the case here. I think that's, I think it's definitely the case here, but, um, but you know, the play, you know, his plays going to rebound like that. I don't, I'm not sweating any of that stuff with him. You know, it's going to come back at some point eventually here, but, um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's tricky. It, it's tricky to try to get it to, to get a lot of this figured out because the stuff you do have, they do have nailed down it feels like you don't want to break that up out of, you know, I don't know if it's fear, but out of worry that uh, if you try to tinker too much, things are going to get sideways pretty quick. And I think we saw that, oh, was that the Arizona game where they, he really, the the lines got all kinds of uh, wacky yeah. that game and it just did. Nothing was clicking right. That game like that, that seemed to be a cursed game right off the hop when, you know, power, power tries to drop the puck back for clay and then it goes wacky. And then, yeah, I just,
1: they had an uncharacteristically uncharacteristically poor practice on Monday before that game. No, it, it was it was a bad start to the week, and it felt like it snowballed for some guys. And it's funny joke because now you're hearing fans have unrealistic expectations for a guy like Paterka. Like, why isn't Paterka scoring more? Well, because look how young he is, and we knew this was going to be the case. This was all va- this was all predictable when you looked at the forwards, right? There were going to be ebbs and flows, and those those dips in p- performance are. Match- Magnified when you're playing. It's the NHL. This isn't the American Hockey League. Even a team like Arizona, man, like they could beat you if you got a bad night. And I know fans are getting on Granado for not, you know, calling guys out. Well, the last coach threw players under the bus, and look how that worked out, right? (laughs) The last coach benched players. And I mean, we can go down the list. That is not that is not the route to success here. That is not how you turn this thing around to have the coach throw like that is a recipe for disaster when a coach does that as much as i know that fans want accountability and this and that and they're tired of it and i get it right but the patience you know you better come to terms with the fact that patience is needed or you're going to drive yourself crazy over the next couple of months you're just going to be miserable watching watching this team because it's going to be like it it's going to be a longer process than people want and a right. big piece is that is the fact that they're missing two of their top four defensemen. No team, like I don't know a team in the league that can kind of survive that, especially when when those two guys are playing,
0: you know, an average of twenty five minutes a game each. Yeah, it it's I, I I you know I I can appreciate fans having having of course high levels of you know like they expect these guys to be extremely good, and that's good. You don't want to go into every game and being like, what are these idiots going to do tonight? These, they suck. Like, you don't, you don't want any of that stuff to, to happen. We had we've seen that enough plenty over the years. Like, what are these, what are these guys going to do to stink up the house tonight? Let's watch and see Matt D'Agostini. What's he going to have? What's he got going tonight? Like, no, like it's not the it's case. Not
1: even, yeah. I just, I'm not going to tell anybody how to feel, but like this, right. this was a, this is a young team and they still are one of the top offensive teams in the league. Yeah, they're allowing too many goals right now. We'll look at the decor, <laughs> <laughs> right. And there is a very good reason why it's like that. Now, of course, you look at the numbers for the goaltending, especially when it comes to Comrie. Calm- really, the you know goals goals are, you know allowed above expected. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not as good, of course. Like it's a slip in his play, but like like he's getting used to a heavier workload. And the fact of the matter is, you did a good job of letting it out, Joe. They're giving up too much. You know, right you can't you can't count on your goalie to bail you out over and over and over again. Um and it's not like they're they're not allowing fifty shots a game, but the quality that they're allowing in some of these situations is it's just gonna be a backbreaker, especially when you're a young team and You're not going to get those easy goals. Um, That's like right now, I think there's a lot of pressure on that top line to produce. And Thompson's handling it extremely well, but that is not easy to balance for, you know, especially like Alex Tuck who's trying to, you know, he's been moved around lines here and there. Like it's just going to be very fascinating to see how not only how they deploy these lines moving forward, are there gonna be any significant changes? Um, you know, we're just seeing sort of the you know the dips that you see. You know, Dylan Cousins offensively, some games really really good. I think offensively he's pretty consistent, but the defensive side of the game is still a major work in progress for him. And of course, like when you're playing top teams, you know this goes back to the Penguins game when he was on the ice against Crosby. You know, mm-hmm. he gets shifts against
0: Eichel. Like it, it's just not gonna be very easy. Yeah, it's uh. You know, I feel bad for Cousins because I think his his line got the assignment of trying to wrangle uh, Eichel's line. Yeah, uh, that when was, Vegas yeah. game. listen, I, I, Dylan Cousins is going to be a tremendous two way center in this league, and I think he's 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 well on his way to being that. Uh, but asking asking him and the uh, I forget uh, who was he who was he on a line with that night? I think it was Tuck and Paterka, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Yeah, I'm sure people listening are like, "Why don't you have this committed to memory, joke? Sorry, my bad. It's um, been a long week, right? <laughs> Got us a break, guys.
1: And it seems like they're using a different lineup every game now, with all yeah. the you know the injuries and the moving pieces.
0: Right, but I mean, you're asking, uh, and I have to look it up now. I have to. So, like, yeah, you're asking uh cousins group to handle Mark Stone, Chandler stevenson and Jack
1: Eichel, like. Yeah, people, I think people, some people forget how good Mark Stone is. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Which is, which is bonkers to me because uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a fanboy when it comes to Mark Stone. But yeah, Jack
1: Eichel was, yeah, he, like he was on the ice for so long that morning. Like yeah. he, he came in wanting to just, he wanted to shove it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> shove it up people's rear ends. Right. After right. what happened last season and a lot of the doubters and whatnot. And it happens. But, um, You know, like people, you know, the next natural question is what's the next step here for this group, Joe? And I think that the I mean, the basic answer is just got to keep at it and keep trying to figure it out. The one piece that we know at this point, I think Jack Quinn needs to be in the lineup. I don't agree at this point with sitting him. Uh, You look at the five on five game that he's had, you look at the, you know, the the advanced numbers in a smaller sample size. You got to like what you see. Now, I wouldn't put him on the power play right now. I think he needs to focus on his five-on-five game. We've seen too many turnovers on the power play to really have that be sustainable. Mm-hmm. But like, the kid can put the puck in the back of the net, and I think it's time to really allow him to grow confidence. And you know, Whether it be with Middlestad or, or Cousins, they really need to, to have some consistency for him. I don't know what the answer is there. That's not a simple solution. Um, maybe it's right. a little more simple when you got an injury like the one they have right now with Kyle Ocposo. It sounds like, you know, maybe he misses Tuesday. You know, we'll see what happens there. Um, but there, it's going to have to keep trying to move pieces around. You know, there's not going to be some seismic trade. It's just sort of biding your time for those defensemen to get healthy and keep working on the five on five game to start generating and not only generating offense, but like, you know, limit the turnovers, continue to play with that detail defensively that they showed against Boston. Cause if they keep that up they're going to be in a really good spot
0: every night yeah and the thing that i think that upsets a lot of people about quinn sitting out is and it's it's fancy stat people and regular i fan, test fans i test like they they come to a common agreement that jack quinn should probably never be sitting down uh and the numbers bear that out but you know the numbers don't also account for uh, they don't account for you know where he is uh, positioned defensively or any of that stuff. Like, and, and I'm not saying that's an issue. I'm not saying that's an issue. But it doesn't account for some of that stuff where you know the little things within the system where it's like, oh, okay, maybe he's not handling this correctly, or maybe this is a maybe this is a struggle in this this aspect. But all I know is that all I know is the Boston game. He got he got absolutely robbed. <laughs> he should have he should have t- he should have had a, a a goal in the third period there. And Kincaid just was. I mean, just Kincaid went super Saiyan mode in the third period. I mean, that was some absolutely ridiculous saves. But I mean, Quinn, geez, he, 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 the games where it looks like he's not playing well, it it seems I don't want to say it's few and far between because there are games where you're just kind of like, oh, he ain't got it tonight. But just, the numbers are still kind of good, even if he's not playing well, which I think is that's a good sign. I think it's a really good sign. And, you know, yeah. It's it's you know it, it's patience. P- people need patience when it comes to these guys. So the younger guys, at least especially.
1: Yeah, and and you're seeing it with Paterka too. I mean, I not nobody's immune to criticism here. Um, like it's just the turnovers. I think those two, when it comes to if you really want to nitpick their games, it's it's turnovers. It's 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 trying to make a play with the puck when there's not a play there to be made. Just go for the simple play rather than trying to to play hero. Mm-hmm. I chip it deep get it, get the puck in space or your line mates can get it, just move it forward. It's just the little details that are very natural to see with young players. Um, You know, I I think with Quinn, when it comes to, you know, if he could really just nail down a spot on that power play, it ensures that he stays in the lineup almost. But since he's kind of limited, not playing special teams, just it almost seems like he's the easy guy to sit. You know, Henestrosa, you can play him on the PK. You know, Krebs, you can play him on the PK. The possession numbers are good. Um, Or at least they're possessing the puck pretty well when Krebs is on the ice at times depending on his line mates so it's a good you know having too many forwards is a good problem to have but when there's a when there's young guys involved and Granados acknowledge this it's challenging because you don't want to sit guys confidence takes a hit um I just think right. with where they're at right now at this stage of their development it's you got to prioritize that getting young players in situations where they're going to learn and continue to grow and. You know, especially when you have young centermen. Right. And you, you got to give them more scoring options and try to put them in a position to succeed. I think Quinn and, you know, the, the opportunities have been there for him to score goals. And, you know, you, you mentioned it again with the, that shot on Kincaid. Mm-hmm. I think you just got to kind of run with him and, and see where he takes his game.
0: Yeah, I, no, I the the power play last night. I, you know, maybe this is just a case of me being a, a dummy watching practice. Uh, but seeing Quinn took a Pozo spot on that second power play, which Paterka had already been moved into that power play. And they, I, they they had a little bit of a look against Boston, but the little bit of a look I saw was there was, there was one power play in particular. I was like, okay, these guys are cooking right now. And we, I know we were talking about Casey, but it seemed like Casey kind of interrupted a little flow that Paterka and Quinn had going, working with each other. And I, it's like, you know, I get it, but also it's you know it's just funny that it's I mean it's funny for funny for me to notice it. I'm sure fans are ready to throw their listening device right into the road right now, hearing this. But um, but it's but seeing guys like that kind of cook when it's when it's five on four like that that's pretty cool to see. I gotta say. Yeah,
1: no, I absolutely agree. I think that if, if they could find the right center to play between Quinn and Paterka. It, it would open up a lot. I think defensively you can do it at home with cousins in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, on the road. That's tough. Cause the other team's going to get second change and they're going to get the top lines. And defensively, I, you know, they're, they're not going to fare as well, but at home though, you can really pick your spots and try to have fun with it. Put those two together. They definitely have chemistry. You put the right center in there. And I think that middle stat could be a good one. Cause he can win faceoffs. Those get, get those guys to the puck. They're going to be a threat to score. Um, you know, not to to segue here, Joe, but um, or completely transition. I keep getting the comment, or I keep seeing the the reaction that this team isn't tough enough, um, not big enough, is what folks are saying. Well, and this is natural. You know, you hear this about you know. I know that a lot of a big segment of the fan base wants a team full of Rasmus Ristolain and or Marcus Foligno's, but. Some weird wishes. it's a young group it's a young group like look at Dylan Cousins like he's still a really raw like he's going to be a force down low mm-hmm. you know once he has more time to develop Quinn Paterka these guys are young you know in Middlestad miss an entire year of development so even he's not where he needs to be probably in that regard right. um you know and I see people poking holes and the, the the types of um you know just the way that the roster is constructed well guys this is this is natural. This is the way that rosters are built around the league. You don't go ahead and draft. Not anymore, at least. You don't use high draft picks on just big bodies. Right? Like That's that's not the way it goes. Like When a team is ready to contend, when that time comes, that's usually when you see the GM go out and get a heavier presence to complement right. your skill guys. You don't, that's not something that comes from within the, at this moment. You know, at some point, maybe Brett Murray becomes one of those guys for this team. But Right now they got Alex Duck, Kyle Ocposo, Zemgis Gergensons, but not a whole lot else. And that is, that is the reality of it. We knew that going into the season. Yep. And right now they are prioritizing the development of skill guys. Cause you know what? Skill is what wins in this league right now. Yeah. Um, that's I understand it but your heavier presence nowadays has to be on the back end. And I'm like Matias Samuelson is an extremely heavy presence and he's not in the lineup right now. That yeah. is a big deal.
0: <laughs> and it. Owen
1: Power is going to be one. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Owen Power is going to be a guy like that just based on the way he's built, but he's 19 years old. So it is not like that part of his game is going to develop because he couldn't play that physical style in college hockey, the way the game is called.
0: Right. Oh, it's, <laughs> especially the way college hockey is called. Jeez. Yes. You bump somebody a little too hard for you five in a game. See ya later. You know, like that's, that's the way that goes sometimes. Uh, I know that, I know that there's a, a, you're right. There's a fraction of the fan base that would love to see Ryan Reeves become a Buffalo Sabre, <laughs> you know, or somebody, you know, somebody along those lines. And, you know, I, I know there's another podcast Sabres podcast that advocates very strongly for bringing in influences like that. But I mean, it's, that's not what they're aiming for with this group. I mean, it's just—it's just not what's going to happen. I mean, cousins. Listen, cousins has been itching to have a fight with somebody for five or six games now, it feels like, and he almost—he almost got it with Connor Clifton on Saturday night, and that would have been a would have been a fascinating fight because Clifton's a tough sob. Yeah. He's not a I'm fighter. Sure. He's not a fighter necessarily, but he's a tough dude.
1: I'm uh, sure that Granado and Kevin Adams were relieved that it didn't turn into a fight because Dylan Cousins' hurt wrist was already hurting. him, and you don't yeah. want him throwing punches on a guy yeah. whose helmet's still on, right?
0: So, yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, I, I get why he was pissed. He got slashed right on the wrist, yeah. right above where the glove stops. That, that little space between where you have no padding and you get a little crack on there, you're, that, that sucks. Like that hurts. That hurts like hell. Um, but I mean, I. I 100% understand wanting to punch somebody in the face after doing that because it's kind of bullshit. But, um, but I mean, like you know, listen, I, people love cousins because he will do that, and he's very willing to do it. There is no question about that. that dude does not back down at all. He lo- he feeds on that stuff. He loves he loves the physical play. He loves the challenge. Uh, but I don't know. I I don't know what it takes to to remind people the NHL is not a fighting league anymore. It just isn't. Like it's, I know there's guys out there that still do it. There's guys on there, out there that, that it's the spark that their teams need to get it going. But this ain't the league anymore, man. There's, I mean, you mentioned Marcus Felino, and like he's he might be like the perfect example of the kind of guy you want to have because he because he's solid. He can play. He can score. Um, but also, if he needs to, he'll step up and play the role of the bodyguard.
1: I, and I think that's the type of player that Kevin Adams is going to go out and acquire, whether it be trade or free agency, when he has the roster spot to give. They were in a, a little bit of a delicate spot going into this season up front because you had Gergensen's coming back. You had they chose to resign Henestroza. You can question that if you'd like. That's up to you. I think that we've gone over Henestroza's value yeah. on this podcast a few times and sort of explained the logic behind that decision. But when they have their roster spot, they certainly have the cap space. You go out and you add a guy like that. But right now they need, they just need to get these young forwards in the lineup. They weren't going to return Quinn and Paterka to Rochester. The same goes with Krebs. So, you know, it, it leads to a younger, smaller group. And we've seen, you know, Arizona came in. I believe uh, Liam O'Brien said at post game. They're a young team. We wanted yeah. to make them uncomfortable. We wanted to push them around. Hey,
0: and that's, that's going to be a young team.
1: Like, come on. Yeah. And you're going to see that night in and night out where they're going to teams are going to play them more physical because that is the reality of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be up to Adams that when the time is right, then you got to transition It's just a question of when that's going to be.
0: Yeah, it's I listen. I, I've i been reminded a lot of been reminded a lot of Darlene's rookie year. And I keep going back to the game you and I were at in Dallas. Uh, which was it was again one of those classic weird Sabres games where the only goal in the game came off of a Sabres stick into their yeah. own net. Um, but that game, the Stars made it a very obvious point that they were going to hammer Darlene every single shift he was on the ice, and I've I've never that whole season up until that game I would never seen a team make it as obvious as they did and as as rough as they did on Darlene because they every player that got near like dolly Hales, a puck a lot but every time he got rid of it or he had it he was getting crushed into the boards and had somebody just absolutely trying to run him through the glass and all of it was legal but it's like that's how you had to play against them at that time and most of this roster is kind of i mean they're not soft but like if you start hitting them around it's gonna it's gonna wear them down
1: it's going to wear them down, right? And they're going to start to feel that pressure, and that's when mistakes start to happen, and, and right. they add up throughout the game. And when, and again, not soft, but when you have younger players, and and you you mentioned that game with Dolly, and I felt like that really started the trend of teams starting to really do that, to try to make mm-hmm. him uncomfortable. And you're seeing that across the roster now. Brad Marchand going after Peyton Krebs early in the game yeah. to make him uncomfortable against Boston, right? It, wasn't, it was slight, you know gamesmanship chirping type of stuff but right again like you start throwing the body around um you know at certain point yeah like they're gonna they're gonna have to get that bigger physical element i'm sure they would love if brett murray's the guy who ends up earning that just based on the skill set we'll see if it Mm -hmm. ends up coming to fruition but you know again like i think that you know success with a young team can can be on it in certain points kind of, you know, expectations get adjusted as teams start to win games. And I think that, you know, it's tough for fans because you want that, that success now, but the reality of, of the situation is that this team just, they're not ready yet. And it's going to be, there's going to be ebbs and there's going to be flows. There's going to be nights where fans are going to love what they see. And there's going to be nights where they're frustrated. That's, that's just ride. That's the wave of a young team. And, and we'll see, you know, last year, a couple guys really started to hit their strides late November, you know, Darlene came on late November, you know, December. Who's that going to be this year? Who's going to take their game to a next level as the season goes along? Because this team is going to need that. They're going to need Middlestead to start scoring and making an offensive impact five on five. They're going to need Cousins to be a more regular threat for, you know, for this group to to upset, you know, to maybe surpass or exceed expectations and, sort of disrupt the order of the Atlantic division a bit.
0: Yeah. It's, I, 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 I'm not, listen, I'm, you know, again, we're not not policing fans. I, I fully expected that the first, you know, the first little, you know, bump in the road like this. And I mean, a five game losing streak isn't, I mean, it is, and it isn't a bump in the road. I mean, it's just, you know, losses think that's, that's the key, but, um, but you know, the, the you know, it's good to have lofty expectations. But I, you know, the fact is, the team is perfectly middle of the road. Like this is, which I think is is accurate, if not maybe a little bit ahead of where you'd want the team to be right now. Because I mean, you obviously don't want them to be horrible. Like that's you know, that's not what you're looking for. But you also want them to be competitive. You want them to be in every game. And you know, this I know there's losses. But the four toughest games of this five-game streak have been probably their better games. You know, I mean, they were in every single one of these games, and you know, they, I mean, they had a lead against Tampa, lost that one. I mean, you know, they had a they had a brief moment of uh, I don't know if they led against Carolina. I don't remember, but um, but I mean, you know, they hung in there at Vegas. They got you know they got wilted down in the third period. Okay, it happens. Boston, they hung. You know that that's. The game against Boston is probably about as well as they played in a week. And they're a better team. Sorry. You know, they're the top two team in the NHL. Like, these things will happen. But you can build on it. You can build on losses like that. And that's what that's what I think is the point of all this. And that's why, you know, I, I don't know if people want Granado to peel the paint to us when we talk to him after games. <laughs> But dude, ain't just gonna do that. Like he's, he knows what he's working with, and he knows he, that like there's the ebbs and flows are gonna happen, and that's how he has to work it. So, uh, you know, I he, it's you know he's not gonna peel the paint. Now the, the games where they've they've made mistakes and they were obvious, yeah, he's not happy about those, and he's very direct about that with them. But uh, he's certainly not gonna he's not gonna tell us to our faces after the game be like this guy what a bum he stinks like he's not gonna do that.
1: It's not how you coach nowadays. It's not an effective coach that we've seen across the league when it comes, like even Sheldon Keefe, right? The way that he protects his players. When you, when you throw your players under the bus, nothing good can come of it, right? Those conversations happen behind closed doors. Um, Mm -hmm. We've seen Granado get upset, um, Mm -hmm. heard it right when, when he's upset with his team's play. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just not going to air air that through the media because that that's, you know, it might make some fans happy at home, but his priority is the players in that locker room and making sure their confidence is in a good spot and making sure that he knows that he has their back, which is just part of coaching. You know, younger athletes nowadays, that's, yeah, that's not how you handle it. So they need to get healthy. You know, Yoki are used the first step towards doing that. Yeah. Looks like Samuelson's at least probably a couple weeks away. We're starting to see, you know, Joe, no no confirmation, but you pointed it out the other day that, you know, he's got a locker, he's got a stall in the Sabres room. Looks like, you know, possibly he's skating again, which would be in a, a step in the right direction. You know, is an interesting one. I'm curious to see how Comrie handles the workload. You um, know, this is the first time he's played this many games in the NHL, you know, having to, to take on a very much heavier work- workload in with a young team around him, this isn't the Winnipeg Jets. they don't defend the way the Winnipeg Jets did last season, so curious to see how he handles it. um, do we see Anderson more than you know once every eight days you know is you know, is it once every four starts for him? you know is that change at all? um you know, it's gonna be a pretty interesting week, but we will have Anderson probably playing back in Ottawa for the first time since
0: the oh, since man. He left. yeah. I, I think we can write his name down in ink that he'll be he'll he'll be he'll have that game. Absolutely, <laughs> I, th- I don't think there's a question about that. Uh, the only question about Craig Anderson with Ottawa now is when the hell are they gonna retire his number? You know, how soon after he retires are they gonna retire his number? Is my question. Yes. Yeah. Chris Neal getting his number retired. I, I I'm I'm surprised we wouldn't if we didn't have Sabres fans go up to Ottawa for that just to boo him to have that happen to me that's that's such a unique thing to have a guy that played the way he did getting his number raised listen i i know he's done a ton of stuff after he's retired he's been a great community guy the whole you know the whole nine yards uh but 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 come on
1: come on Yeah. yeah come on and people criticize the sabers for a few of the players they right right? um so if that's the qualification yes absolutely craig anderson should have his number raised to the rafters and wherever that arena is uh, i would assume you know it'll still be where it's located now i can't imagine they're gonna get a downtown arena within the next you know handful it's of years but we'll see to be the
0: deal it's supposed yeah. to be it's gonna that it has to get done i guess but I we know. we've seen this song and dance before right so i don't know anything about that bill's downtown <laughs> stadium idea i don't understand anything about building a new stadium right next to the old stadium i don't understand what any of that's about good, good for craig anderson to be playing the way he is though um yeah. you know
1: he's he finds a way. He keeps them in games. He gives them an opportunity to win. That's all you can ask for from a goalie. It's not always pretty, but man, the guy, the guy battles in there for a 41 year old. And I think that his leadership, you know, the way that he's able to calm guys down was definitely on on display against Boston. It's just a shame that you can't, you know, at his age, you know, the workload, he just you, you can't pl- probably play him more than he already is. You know, yeah. That's probably what we can expect from a workload wise. I'm, you know, I'm sure he'd love to go to go more often. It's just that they gotta. I think it's it's a good learning experience for Comrie to get into the rhythm of, of this kind of you know this kind of deal, right? Playing mm-hmm. playing behind a young team, and I thought he's hand- I think he's handled it really well. Um, yeah. Maybe I was nitpicking a little bit earlier, but you know, obviously the numbers are trending in the the wrong it, direction. Although I don't right. think that's entirely his fault, of
0: course. No, no, it, I can't imagine the expected goal levels of a shot from the blue line that deflects off your so there you go. Then. Teammate in front. Those values are too high. I can't imagine that really is uh, a big score on expected goal uh judgment meter because uh yeah, that will really kill it'll really kill your stats having stuff like that happen. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's 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 the way that's the the way that goes with with some of the numbers. I you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, come on. I I you, I am always in the mind. You're not gonna, you can't kill a goalie until you've seen like half the season, really, because then you know, then you kind of know. What yeah. You're with like that's yeah, that's the whole thing. But judging a guy, I think like eight or nine start. Come on, please. He is by far an upgrade
1: over somebody like Carter Hutton, you know, Dustin yeah. Takarski, like Eric Comer, He's at a better, a different level than that, right? Like he, yeah. I I have, you know, you got to feel better about where his game is at, and I think that. Still, I, I think they're in a good spot with him. It's just the rest of the stuff they got to get cleaned up.
0: Yeah, and they will. Like they're gonna. Like that's that's just the way it's gonna be. This this team's this team is in a good place. Even though losing five in a row doesn't feel good, but it's it it feels different from literally every other time that something like this has come up. Where in the past you'd have a few losses pile up and you're like, oh boy, this could go for a while. This this might last this might last a little bit. Um, it does not feel that way with this group. Uh, and probably helps that like the entire roster is basically different, but uh, this, it, it feels different because like they're learning along the way and it's not just something, this team doesn't have a lot of people left over even from the, even from the 18 game losing streak. There's not a lot of guys left over really from that team. i mean, on and it's, you know, it's the, the you know, with Darlene, Yoko Haru, Opozo, like everybody else is kind of, kind of new to that whole thing. But, <clears throat> but I mean, listen, it's uh everybody it's fine it's fine everybody like it's they'll get things turned around uh, i think getting on the road might actually help them for a little bit um
1: weird road trip right they're home on tuesday against vancouver then ottawa on wednesday yeah. toronto saturday then they play at montreal right on I
0: tuesday believe that's the case yes yeah. Yeah. And, so, they, kind and of, they're here. Went. Then they're home Wednesday night, night before Thanksgiving, in St. Louis for the uh the Red and Black night. So. Oh yeah, it'll be a fun one. Um.
1: Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Like we'll we'll see how it all sort of sorts itself out. Um. You now Vancouver will be an interesting one. Expect Comrade to be back in the net. We'll see about Okie Haru. But Joe, I think that that wraps it up for the week, eh?
0: Yeah. That's that. That about takes care of it for us. And yeah, I'm I'm excited to see our our pal Brucey. Our pal Brucey back here Tuesday. Love Bruce Boudreau. Oh yeah, Great fan. Love Bruce. Um, weird situation there. Let's <laughs> we could probably talk for a half hour about how weird Vancouver is right now. But uh, starts nobody... at the top,
1: man. <laughs> the starts at the
0: top. Yeah, that's that's uh, hundred percent the case there. But uh, this is not a Vancouver Canucks podcast, even though they came in the league the same time as the Sabers. We uh, we're not going to do that because everybody. I could hear everybody closing out their program right now i like, <laughs> not gonna listen to you talk about jt miller and the canucks sorry like no like hopefully we won't have to talk about them a lot for next week's episode because if we do then that means things have gone horribly off the rails but uh but yeah so yeah we'll wrap things up there we're we've talked for we've talked enough and hopefully we've sorted you out we, we've sorted everybody out got got some people to put some of the handful of torches that came up over the, <laughs> no, nope, no pitchforks yet, but like, you know, some, some grumpiness, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll stop there. Uh, Lance, uh, let everybody out there know where they can find you and your work. Of course. Thanks, Joe.
1: Um, you can find me on Twitter, um, at least for now. We don't know what's going on with that website <laughs> any,
0: anymore. It seems to change it by the day.
1: But L-L-Y-S-O-W-S-K-I. You can now read my work in the Buffalo News in print and online. Uh, thank you all who subscribe. Joe, what about yourself?
0: Yes. Uh, you can also find me at the uh, the bizarre uh, wonderland of Twitter uh, should it still exist by the time this podcast <laughs> goes up on Monday or whenever you listen to it. Uh, J-O-E-Y-E-R-D-O-N. Uh, find me a Bleacher Report. Got some plenty of plenty of stuff over the weekend that came out. Some new stuff coming out uh, literally today, Monday. Yes, yeah, yeah. Today's Monday. Well, I mean, today's today's not Monday. When you're hearing this, it's Monday. But there'll be something out there for you today. It's not Sabres related. Sorry. Um, uh, also, find me at Noted Hockey. Lots of stuff there. Uh, Associated Press doing some uh, doing work there too. So uh, you know, if you like game stories, which I I can't imagine too many people like game stories. But if you like reading my stuff, then please find me at the AP as well. So uh, thanks, Lance. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we appreciate your listenership. And uh, we will catch you again next week.